0: Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, be the star you are, starts right now. Never
1: Well, we never do say never here at Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Welcome, power partners, to our informational playground. This is Star Style, brought to you by the airwaves uh, from the auspices of Be The Star You Are charity. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you are listening to us live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And our wonderful engineer is Matt, and we give him a lot of kudos because... He's not only doing our show, but all the shows today. Pretty busy guy. Well, we will strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. And in today's show... We have uh, some interesting topics that Heather and I want to cover. In segment one, coming up in Health Matters, we're going to talk about your metabolism and how to get it uh, more perf- more performance-oriented in order to find out if it's being sluggish. We're also going to talk about interning and the power it has to reboot your career. And finally, about multitasking. Heather and I've talked about this a lot, but we're going to talk about single tasking and and learn how to re kind of retrain our brains to do one thing well, one thing at a time. Or <laughs> well, the Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. Visit our new revamped website at bethestaryouare.org. And this is from Oliver Wendell Holmes. A mind stretched by a new idea never shrinks back to its original proportions. Hmm. A mind stretched by a new idea never shrinks back to its original proportions. Isn't that great? I like that. I mean, think about it. Is that... You know, my goal is to learn something new every day that I didn't know the day before. And the interesting thing about when you have that as a a benchmark for yourself is that you're constantly growing and learning. I've always talked about our cars as being, you know, rolling universities and how to learn, you know, not only just reading books and going to seminars, but, you know, listening to tapes and reading, you know, doing all those things. But I love these quotes because that makes me realize that what we're doing We're kind of on the right track. So okay, well let's get right into igniting our metabolic furnace. So Heather, um, tell us what it actually means, what the metabolism is doing, what's happening with the chemical reactions. How our bodies sometimes can be like high-performance machines and other times we're kind of like snails and slugs because I think
2: what your metabolism is exactly is it's the rate at which and this is getting kind of scientifically but it's the rate at which the chemicals reaction in your body um, in your body which works as a whole to create an energy in order for you to thrive and so the best kind of way i like thinking about your car, your car about your metabolism as a car your body um, viewing your body as a high performance engine or a machine just in general think about when your car is filled with gas it runs and you've taken well you've taken good care of it that you've gone for the tune ups you know, you get your oil change, you put the right kind of gas in it your car goes great think about when your car is running on empty and it's just fumes coming out, barely getting by, you've been putting the wrong gas in it, or you've been uh, neglecting to do repairs, that it isn't as running as well. There's things falling apart, it's, you know, it sounds weird, it's, it's eventually it's not going to live up to its uh, potential, and you're going to spend more money and more time trying to fix it. So just like your body, when we think about food is energy, and it's getting the right kind of energy, the right kind of food. Uh, we know that humans basically it's about a 2,000 to 2,500 uh, calorie a day is what they recommend. And now that, that all depends differently if you're on a different uh, diet or if, maybe if you're working out a lot. Uh, but this the typical overall in general what, uh, recommendation is for 2,000 calories a day. And those two thousand calories, you can get a lot out of that. And mistakenly, I think um, people still don't properly know how to read the back of uh, food. When we look at it, a lot of times all we look for is calories or fat, and now right. recently right. more sugars. And if, as soon as we've seen that maybe that maybe is a low number, we said, okay, this is something I'm going I'm going to eat, or we you know we benefit, we decide, okay, maybe I can splurge on these 300 calories. I've been I've been really good. I've been working out. But you need to look really what else is in there. What is there proteins in it? Is it have any nutritional values? Is there calcium, uh, different vitamins, uh, minerals, nutrition, nutrients? Um, if your food's lacking that, then it's just basically empty calories. I mean, the, the calories that could be uh, within a glass of milk, let's say 100 and 120 calories maybe, two grams of fat, about eight grams of protein. And protein is really helpful for your body, especially with building muscle and to speed up your metabolism. After a workout, your body needs something. That's why, you know, a lot of times we get crammed or we feel dehydrated. Well, beyond just water, which you should consistently be drinking throughout the day, um, having something, some kind of dairy or protein after a workout is going to boost your metabolism just a little bit. You don't even need to eat a full meal. Just having something really tiny is like putting some gas into the tank. You just had a big workout or you just did something. Just putting that little thing in and a proper, there's the difference of putting, if your car says that it takes, uh, you know, 91 or whatever, a leaded gas, and you put full, you know, the regular unleaded or super premium your car's not going to go well if your car recommends super premium and you put, you know, diesel. Eighty-seven, right? Yeah. So you need to think about you need to think about really what you're putting into your body and signs too of a sluggish metabolism. So as we know, it's a metabolism, we a fast metabolism. If someone you hear sometimes people say, oh, you know, I just have a really fast metabolism, or that person does. It means that their body is taking in, that their engine's kind of always going, and hopefully that they're putting the proper things into it. And a lot of times when we're kids, we have those fast metabolisms that people say, ah, you know, you're a kid, you can eat anything you want. As we get older, those same eating habits that we had when we were younger aren't really affecting our body the same way that they did. That, you know, weight gain, places, things affect us bloatiness, uh, you know, um, inflammation throughout the body. And that's because your metabolic uh, rate slows down as. As you age and you can become more sluggish. but you can really beat this um, by having the right things and and just first off first if you're thinking you know maybe what are signs how do I know if I have a slow metabolism most obvious sign is usually weight gain um, again that can be too, of you know the lack, the lack of activity you're going on or the food you just eating. be
1: sitting too much I mean we're at our computers all day long now
2: Yes, and and another thing too, inability inability to lose weight even when you're restricting calories. And I'll get to about uh, about the restricting calories in a second. Um, fatigue, sometimes not not even feeling hungry, uh, which can be misleading. Is a lot of times we think, oh, I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat. Which you shouldn't eat if you're not hungry in those ways. But we have this false feeling. We we still carry traits within us leftover from pre prehistoric, pre-historic from caveman days. These you know the fight or flight that. Um, you know, eating, what happens to us when, when we don't eat for so long, our body goes into starvation mode and this comes from the caveman times of there'd be winters and there'd be times there wasn't food. So your body starts basically kind of eating out on itself that your muscles will start to deflate that, um, and it it sounds like all at once, but this is what usually signs will be cramping up in your body or you're having a hard time uh, getting muscle, lean muscle mass in it. Um, uh, but uh, the thing with restricting the calories, is that when you take that away, if you just have little bits at a time. I'm a, I'm a queen of grazing, but sort of that thing if you constantly are just putting a little bit in, then the engine's constantly going. If you put too much into it, then it's all going to slow down. And when I think about... Oh, well, and just uh, a minute, I wanted to
1: say something about grazing because I know that a lot of people, you know, are thinking, oh, God, you're eating all day long. But the reality is, is grazing is actually much better for your body, right? Because you are putting just a yeah. little bit in at a time and you're not over... Or you're not like... Oh, overfilling the tank. Yeah, a good, you know, when
2: we're talking about your overall, your body as an engine in a car and putting proper things into it, I like to think too as your stomach almost as, or your metabolism when it comes to just the actual digestion problem, almost as a garbage disposal. If you've ever been throwing stuff down the garbage disposal and you have it on, the runner is going, if you put little bits at a time, it chops things up and it goes good. If you put a whole bunch of stuff all at once, it's going to clog up or it's going to take a really long time for the drain to go down and that's just like your metabolism you eat a lot at first you eat a lot and then that's why a lot of times people get tired because all your blood flow is going into your stomach to try to help you get this through um, and when you eat so much like that it's slowing down your metabolism and it actually kind of causes brain confusion because it took your brain so long to realize I'm full and slowly as you're starting to digest you'll start to think you're hungry again but it's That thing of if they don't take the plate away that you start eating again and you say, that, oh, God, I'm so full, I couldn't eat another bite, and yet you're just eating because it's there. It just happens to be those things. So just putting in the proper amount and the right things at uh, at the same time is going to help boost up your metabolism. And, again, I said one thing before is reasons why your metabolism slows down. As you age, they say that about 2% um, per decade every 10 years your metabolism slows down. I know that sounds so little,
1: but that's no, it actually sounds like a lot. You know, I mean, think about it. If you, you know, that's a that's a lot.
2: And yeah, and and something especially coming from a fitness thing is uh, working with weights. It's building muscle, lean muscle mass. Um, the kind of the kind of uh, of workout and teaching that I, that I work in is that we're all about lean. I like to say lean, mean muscles. That building those muscles, but making them long and strong, not bulky building, building up the bulk. Um, and what happens too is when you have strong muscles, you actually burn calories through the night when you're sleeping. We've talked about before of how how the magical things that happen when you're sleeping and that your body basically regenerates, makes new cells, we refresh... And we're still burning calories. That's why in the morning, you know, we feel hungry or we kind of have a little upset stomach. Um, it's because your stomach is going, that your body is burning calories throughout the night. And when you don't have that muscle mass, your what your body is going to do is start eating on the muscles, diminishing your muscles, and slowing down that rate as well. Um, as I said, not eating the right food or getting insufficient calories, empty calories. We've talked about, you know, uh, eating a soda or candy bar. Yes, those are calories, and it might in that might not. That moment you might feel satisfied and think, filled, but it's very short-lived, especially with sugars. They'll give you that instant kind of that energy, what you think you're needing, and then a very quick plummet. And fats a lot of time are just going to kind of slow you down. There's the good fats, of course, but there's also bad fats, and that's what people need to look at is uh, when you're looking at it, if you see fat, look and see if it's monosaturated, if it's saturated, polyunsaturated, looking in these things that you want things that have um, monounsaturated fats, no saturated fats, no triglycerides but triglycerides or no, um, excuse me, uh, trans fatty fa-
1: trans fatty fats. Those
2: are the ones. Which
1: that those are things that about. are in like potato chips and, you know, all of those snack foods that we see. Even the stuff that says, you know, uh, what is, what do they say now? I think so, much, so many of them are trying to say that they don't have cholesterol or that they don't have... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm blanking on the word. When you have celiac disease and you need to, what's what do you That's, eat? Yeah, celiac disease when you can't have gluten. Gluten. So everything is like now it's gluten-free, et cetera, you know, and it's baked. But if you look at it, it still has all those fats in it. Yeah, a lot of it. So it's, and, and. Really, that's again a big thing too. Is a try for in the first
2: place of avoiding unprocessed food. You don't want to have uh, processed food to begin with. Try to have as much natural things found in natural vegetables, fish, lean meat chickens, um, so if you can't have dairy, having soy, but reading the labels and really seeing what's in there, I was astounded recently. I love cauliflower and I always thought I'm being so healthy eating cauliflower and it's not that it's not healthy, it's just not really anything and finding that out recently when uh, I bought all this, you know, this fresh uh, frozen uh, uh, cauliflower and I was blending it up and my husband pointed out, there's there's been these diets about, you know, no white, that people get rid of, you know, white breads and um, white starches, and, and and in some ways, many things that are white, it's not that, again, it's not that they're bad for you, they just don't have a lot of nutritional things, and I was so surprised to see that it didn't have a lot of these nutrients. I thought, oh, it must have all these vitamins in it, and I looked, it and it was very low. Now, again, it was low Well, you know, calories. I just want to say something fatty. about
1: cauliflower, though, and vegetables in general. What we need to strive for is a rainbow of colors on our plate. The more exactly. colors, that means the healthier your meal is going to be. And when it comes to cauliflower, it is a cruciferous vegetable, so it does mean it has cancer-fighting properties. But if you really want the best stuff, like with cauliflower, is you get purple cauliflower. So check yes. out. I'm actually writing an article about that for my garden. Um, my garden column is. Check out purple vegetables. So many vegetables that we think of as being naturally one color or another literally started as purple vegetables. So there's purple potatoes, oh there's purple carrots. Are you going to get on to that? Was that yeah, what you were going to yeah. talk about? Oh,
2: no. I was just going to. Well, it's funny you said the carrots, just because when we were in Holland, they told us all the stories about carrots, of how they, you know, and you can still get um, the purple carrots, which it's funny that. Now, those are the more expensive ones to get, but how they had actually genetically made these. Over time, they had bred the carrots and made them orange to present them for their uh, prince or duke duke of orange or something like that. That's exactly um, right. That's a, a it, it was so,
1: William of Orange. <laughs>
2: William of Orange. <laughs>
1: William yeah. of Orange. So, but no, that's exactly I, right. And that's why so, at a, in times past, purple was not considered a, an edible color. So that's why you've got so many things that became white, you know. But there's a lot of purple out there. And that's your key is, you know, you when you have things on your plate, whether it's potatoes or tomatoes or broccoli or cauliflower or w- w- carrots, whatever it is, go for a lot of different colors, red, orange, yellow, green. And if you do that, you're going to definitely be a little bit healthier. And, you know, uh, Heather, I, I'm going to suggest that we do this for another show, sometime because I, you know, how there's so many things that are really good for us, or we think they're good for us, like you know, eating a lot of berries, or again, yeah. eating broccoli or whatever. Um, one thing that I thought that we might want to do a show on for our listeners down the line is the importance of knowing how certain vegetables and fruits that are, you know, really good for us in when we're healthy. Some of them may interact with medications that we're taking, especially if you have uh, cancer or some kind of autoimmune disease. So, I thought that might be something interesting for the future, so that you know, and especially with supplements, people t- eat a- take a lot of supplements, and not all supplements are beneficial, especially if you are taking other medications.
2: Yeah, and you know, just kind of a last couple of things with still talking about metabolism-wise, and how you say people taking supplements, something that you can find in nature, almost like a a natural, uh, I don't want to say diet pill, but a metabolism booster that you see, that, you know, these commercials for, they actually try to use a synthetic compound or way of it is this thing called capsaicin, and capsaicin is found in spicy foods. And what the spicy food, what's capsaicin, what they believe, at least scientists believe, what, what it's doing, because they have scientific proof showing that these spicy foods rev up your metabolism, um, is because this heat most likely is that it's affecting. Uh, excuse me, it's a, uh, affecting a, a certain part in your brain that's activating that fight or flight thing. That's why you get really hot and whoo, and you start sweating and your body starts to boost that uh, adrenaline. And if you know when it's adrenaline, your heart is beating and you're racing, you're burning a lot more calories that way. So if uh if you don't feel like, you know, buying into all those diet fats there, just start cooking, you know, again, healthy, whole, natural foods and and um, a little bit of
1: spice. Yeah, little, add, yeah, add some hot peppers, add curry. All of those have that in it. And, you know, a little hot peppers. And as you said, the spice, that will boost your metabolism. And I'm, I'm a big believer, instead of filling up on supplements, I try to get it from nature. Try to get the natural things because we never really know what's in the supplements and they're really not regulated. So that could be a little bit, yeah. you know could be dangerous, uh, and that's the thing that we have to watch out for as we're trying to always be so healthy, you know. So what else do we need to know about our metabolism?
2: Well, just a you know, couple little final things again. Just talking on eating the proper food for it, it really it not just... Calories, no calories are the same and food is not the same. Having apple crisps is not the same of having an apple. Make your calories count. A lot of times you'll be surprised. 2,000 calories can sound like a lot and it can add up really quickly. But if you're eating healthy food, your metabolism is going and you'll be amazed how 2,000 calories. You might not even need to reach it. A great thing, again, is having a low, or excuse me, a high protein, a low-fat, a high-protein meals throughout the day little bits of protein it's good for your body it helps boost your metabolism and also it helps with that lean muscle mass so if the more lean muscle mass you have on your body the, more, the higher me- your metabolic rate is going to be Including, well every day. I love your so comparison
1: of apple crisp to apples <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's definitely a good one. I think that we better uh, forget about that. I wonder if that's the same like uh, eating grapes or drinking wine, or you know yeah, having well, some. Yeah, you know, I'm always a fan of the wine. But, but I mean, having a piece of agave or drinking tequila, you know? Yeah, there we go. But right. I mean, yeah, go ahead, just wind it
2: up. Yeah, well, again, my final thing is something that is readily available to us all, for the most part, won't cost anything, but is water. Water, for the most part, you think, really, it has no calories in it. But nutrients-wise, our bodies are made of our water. The earth is made up of more water than it is of actual substance, just as our body is. And we need that. And so oftentimes, we miscues what we think may be hungry. We might think we're in pain. We might think, you know, anything... But it's really coming, uh, hunger oftentimes can actually be dehydration or thirst. And if our body isn't properly hydrated, our metabolism slows down and that affects everything else in the body. We get headaches, or you know, we're not eating as well. So make sure throughout the day that you are staying hydrated and as well as that you're eating foods that have a high water concentration. For example, celery is a great thing. Um, spinach or cabbage, which are both foods that are very rich in all kinds of folic acid, all Kinds of great nutrients for you that are just overall good for your body, but are going to have in that extra little bit um, of H two O to it that even if you're not getting maybe the full proper drinking wise, you'll get it within to your food, and that will help digest down in your food as well.
1: Oh, very good! I want to rev up my metabolism and and eat all these good things and be exercising because I want to promote. Some good joint health, and we want to grow into our old age feeling healthy. But gosh, if we're um, if we're getting bigger, you know, by every year, what does it say? Five pounds a year if you're not active, something like that. We definitely... Something crazy. America yes, is really getting crazy. that. <laughs> yeah. So I think we should all be eating some hot peppers, some cayenne peppers, some chilies, you know, and, and increase our activity that way. And uh, that might help a little bit. But just be more cognizant. So... Uh, thank you. That was really uh, terrific. So, we don't need to be stuck with a sluggish metabolism. Uh, we do have control over our own bodies, and we can stop agonizing over every calorie as long as we're eating the right foods and we're getting enough exercise, uh, enough sleep, and we're just being mindful. So, Heather, go ahead and give out our websites. Most definitely, you going to
2: go to com, and I believe the new one is StarStyleRadio.com.
1: Yeah, starradio.com and check those out. And for those of you who are just joining our program, just so you know, Heather is a fitness instructor. She's certified bar instructor, and she has only lean muscle mass. So she knows <laughs> what she's talking about. I want Heather's body. I want Heather's body. Well, you are listening to Star Style Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. With that lean body. And I'll be back in a bit. In the between the break, go to starstyleradio.com and be Don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you
3: are.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach Cynthia Bryan will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts. as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: Well, we appreciate you staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, coming to you live on the Voice America Network. We are on the Empowerment Channel of the I have a couple of announcements that I wanted to make because I am excited to be participating. If you are going to be in the Carmel area, Carmel by the sea, what a beautiful place that is. On a Saturday, April 9th, I will be doing a presentation uh, at Dawn's Dream Winery Tasting Room, which Dawn's Dream is an all-female-run winery with amazing wine, and what this is going to do is, we're going to do, uh, we're going to be talking. I'll be reading from our different books. We'll have books for sale, but we'll be drinking wine, and all the proceeds from wine sales, wine tastings. And books are going to be going to Be the Star You Are charity. So that is going to be between noon and 7 p.m. on Saturday, April 9th at Dawnstream Winery Tasting Room. It's on the northwest corner of 7th and San Carlos in beautiful Carmel-by-the-Sea. That's where Clint Eastwood live. So if you've been there for a while, you want to make sure to go. And then the other thing to get ready for... Was coming up in May on May 14th. Be the Star You Are will once again be uh, at the Moraga Fair with a book giveaway, and that's compliments of Brooks Albury, Blue Ocean Bob. We're going to have the new books of Blue Ocean. Bob and um, uh, kids that are in need are going to get a complimentary copy. So if you're interested at all in uh, sponsoring or being part of any of this, you can send me an email, Cynthia at star-style.com. We have lots going on at Be The Star You Are. So we are excited to meet you at any of the upcoming events. So I want to talk about multitasking today because it is a habit that we have gotten into, it's been touted as being so important because we have way too much to do and too little time and growing piles of daily demands. And so, you know, multitasking has become undeniably enticing, and it's become something that you know just about everybody prides themselves in doing. And but what happens is is as we keep looking at our expanding inbox and that multitask monster, kind of whispers in our ear, you know, tackle two, three, four, five things at a a time. It's your only hope. The problem is that our brains aren't wired that way. And we can do some mindless tasks, maybe like opening, you know, opening mail or cutting things out of a newspaper, perhaps when we're on hold waiting for the phone company to pick up or, or, you know, um, just listening to some other broadcasts where you don't have to have your full full attention. But in general, multitasking doesn't work on your brain. We have to stop the madness. We got to h- gather our resilience and kick that multitask monster, you know, right back to the box where it came into because the hard fact is that attempting to multitask actually correlates with lower productivity and lower cognitive impairment. Have you ever tried to multitask and then all of a sudden you can't remember what it is you're actually doing? Well, um, uh, any neuroscientist will attest that the brain can focus on only one thing at a time. So our brains, as smart of a computer as they are, are actually incapable of simultaneously processing separate streams of information. So what we call multitasking is actually what's called task switching. And what that means is is that we are moving rapidly, although inefficiently and ineffectively among tasks. So you can't focus on one task while doing another and that's because of what's called interference between the two tasks. So people who can't multitask well and when people say they can, they're really, you know, lying to themselves. They're just being delusional because the brain is actually good at being delusional. So most defenders of multitasking, they don't grasp that it's what the actual meaning is and multitaskers are only halfway paying attention to what I'm saying right now. So, if you are listening to this broadcast and you're saying to him, oh, Cynthia, you're crazy. I am a great multitasker. You know, right now I am um, writing a letter or I'm going over my taxes. You might be able to be loading the dishwasher or maybe even washing the dishes but I doubt that you're going to be able to take in everything if you're trying to do anything that has numbers in it or read something else. Now, some folks actually get angry when you say that they can't multitask. I mean, they'll tell you they can hold a conversation and they can, you know, they can chop up the carrots and they can, then they can empty the dishwasher or they can listen to the radio and they can drive. And that's called my, uh, multitasking. Well, I, you know, I do listen to the radio while I'm driving, and I do attempt to keep my eyes on the road. Uh, but under most conditions, the brain simply can't do two complex tasks at the same time. And it can only happen when the two tasks don't compete with each other for the same mental resource. So, in other words engaging in two unrelated tasks at the same time when at least one does one when one of those tasks a conscious effort that's not called multitasking so if i'm listening to the radio while i'm driving but i'm really focusing on the road i'm really not multitasking because i'm focusing on the road and then i am just doing kind of passive listening. That's sort of the same thing as if I was uh, cooking dinner and somebody is sitting at the counter and talking to me. I can still, you know, I can, you know, chop and dice and splice and, you know, p- put it up in a pan and still have a conversation with somebody. I, But what I couldn't do is probably add up, you know, add up all my expenses for the day. So, multitasking which is again constantly switching between tasks, weakens our ability to concentrate. And if we repeatedly drop and pick up mental threads, what it actually does is it makes us tired. It gives us greater mental fatigue. And then what starts happening is more mistakes start happening than if you were just immersed in a single task. So-called multitasking behavior actually leads to a lower capacity for cognitive processing and it can preclude deeper learning the um amig- amygdala well, how do you how do i say that amig- amygdala i guess it is that is um, takes takes over because the prefrontal cortex shrinks back and then the blood uh, the brain is flooded with some negative emotions such as fear and aggression and anxiety. So we really have to, if we are overstimulating our brain, it's going to get fearful and it's going to get anxious. As gray matter shrinks, we become cognitively impaired and doing too much results quite literally in being unable to think clearly. And I'm sure you've all had that experience before, especially at nighttime. I know sometimes when I try to do too many things, I have a, like my to-do list and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going fid- to finish all these and I need to do something else. I, my brain gets tired and I have to literally just step away, take a breather and take a break and sometimes go to bed and finish it in the morning because otherwise, you know, I do have that, that brain fatigue. I just have that, that, that brain space that goes away. So extreme busyness is associated with that decreased brain tissue in areas that are responsible for regulating your thoughts and your feelings. Now, how do the doctors know this? Well, MRIs can reveal images of the brain struggling between uh, competing tasks. Um, MRIs can show when you're overwhelmed by dueling demands. So, attempting to multitask can release the, the cortisol, that stress hormone that actually diminishes the way that we have an ability to process information. That's why when we're stressed out, we can't really process well. We can't think clearly. We don't make good decisions. Stress associating uh, with multitasking will shrink those brain neurons and then it reduces our problem solving and it decreases our emotional regulation. It increases our emotional resilience and also our impulse control. So uh, you know, sometimes when you're multitasking, you might lose your temper a little bit faster. But there is help at hand because the brain's executive system in the frontal lobe can assist in suppressing all that irrelevant information. And because the system determines what input input into our brain is uh, extraneous and where to direct our attention, we can achieve our goals. By learning to reduce the distractions and by learning to single-task. It's an acquirable skill and one that, hey, um, we, we can achieve. We can achieve. So let's kind of uh, look at that and how can we achieve it. So what are some strategic ways that we can go back to the days when we single-tasked? So single-tasking requires committing to your choices. It requires immersing yourself, addressing one thing at a time to the exclusion of other demands in the present moment. You can handle your next task after working on this one. And this doesn't require completion of the initial task, just the end of that session of time dedicated to it. Now, I know people will say, well, you know, I like to crochet and knit while I'm watching TV or having a conversation. Again, that's not really multitasking because your hands are doing something that you just do automatically without really thinking and then you're actually focusing on TV. It's two different parts of the brain. It's like quilters. When you have a quilting circle, people don't sit around in a quilting circle and keep quiet. They sit around in a quilting circle and they talk. But again, it's using different parts of our brain. Now, the first step to getting back to, mul- to single-tasking, sorry, I'm multitasking by saying uh, that about single-tasking, you have to notice where your thoughts are daily. That's when you travel to work, when you go to sleep, uh, when you're going into a meeting, when you're waiting at the bus stop, you know, when you're in the grocery line, whatever it is, you need to start being mindful. Uh, does a particular thorn in your side from the past kind of crop up and then you start dwelling on it? Do you have a habitual concern about a future that you know might, uh, might not be to your liking? Keep reminding yourself that mulling over the past and envisioning alarming futures, it's not only fruitless. But it keeps us from throwing our presence into the moment and it keeps us from living in the moment. And that's what we're all about. You know, we talk about at the end of the show always, I say, you know, celebrate today, live in the moment. Today is the only day that you have. It's the only second you have. So we can't change the past. We really can't predict the future and we can't control other people. So we can only single task in this moment to make the most positive contribution to our lives and our work and our family and our world while we're in this moment. So here's something you could do is you could think about a a recent event that you went to. When you got there, were you actually thinking of something else, maybe how difficult the drive was, how tough it was to park, uh, or how nervous you are to see certain people, Or maybe you don't know anybody and you don't know if you're going to get on. Or maybe it's an important meeting and you're not sure how you're going to interview. Well, the next time you attend any event or meeting, practice being there before you get there. So synchronize your mind and your body and just be present. And decide what matters most to you in any given situation. And then commit to that. Because single tasking does not require discarding thoughts that are not aligned with your current endeavor. It instead, single tasking wants you to adopt that practice that will enable you to place unrelated things uh, into uh, a kind of a box until the time comes that you can redirect your mind. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back from break because I still have more ideas I want to share with you about Uh, single tasking because I think it's really really important in this era of multitasking and and this time where we're all supposed to do so much for so many and we'll also touch on interning but you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style Be The Star You Are we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network and I will be right back so stay right there
3: Be the star you are The star you are
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: How important is interpersonal communications? A national survey of sales professionals conducted by the Nirenberg Group answered this question as number one in importance. Interpersonal communication received a 95%. Self motivation, ninety four percent, conflict resolution, ninety percent, selling expertise. and presentation skills, 79%. And this was all in interpersonal communications. So, giving an excellent presentation is no longer sufficient in gaining a competitive edge in life. You need to connect with people. You need to connect with your customer and your clients and be focused on them. You need to be personable. And there's a a poem that I like that was uh, written by Paul Kramer that I feel is is crucial to this business buy. it's called you are your word more precious than jewels more valuable than gold it is what you represent and it can't be bought or sold you are your word treasure it like the air you breathe do not take it for granted if you want to be respected and believed remember you are the star of your own performance turn your passions into profits I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business bite from Star Style. For more information on coaching or to get a consultation, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827.
3: The star you are. Light up the flames that burn
0: make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be The Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit Be the BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today.
3: BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the star you are.org. Be lucky star You
0: Us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
3: Be the star you are. You are the star.
0: Pump up your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life changing interviews and star studded conversations on our award winning program, Star Style Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party.
1: Find all you need. Well, before we went to break here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are, we were talking about learning to single-task, giving you some tactics on how to stop multitasking, how to be more mindful, and to really concentrate on one singular thing at a time. So I just want to continue with that thought before I talk a little bit about interning. So when you are embarking on a task, you might want to have a a note page on your smartphone, for example, so that you can keep track of what is happening. when You need to write down when an idea strikes. If, you, if something's on your mind and you don't write it down, then you're going to lose it because our minds aren't always clear. So pausing to write down a thought does not lessen your commitment to single tasking. Let's say you're working in a room with natural light in the late afternoon and the sun begins to set. When the room darkens, you kind of hunker down thinking, oh, I'm not going to turn on the light as I'm intent on my work. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because as soon as it gets dark, you can't see. But if you flip on the light switch, you can return to your task and you're better equipped to work without squinting. So it's the same thing with like writing down an idea. When an idea is in your head, write it down. This is why many people keep a pen and pencil by their bed, especially authors and writers, because they come up with a great idea during the night and we, I know I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I mean, I've always thought, oh, I'll remember that. But the reality is, is if I don't just make a jogging note to myself, I don't. So now separation is another useful tactic in a world of devices that combine many functions. It's not that technology is the problem, it's our fingers and thumbs that are doing the tapping. So if you were sitting at your desk, let's say on a business call, and you lean back in your chair and facing your desktop, and then an instant message darts across your screen, some colleagues are, you know, they might be picking up lunch and asking you, well, do you want anything? And you just quickly type in a lunch order. At that moment, you hear, do you think that setup is going to work? Well, unfortunately, you have no recollection of what the statement was that preceded the question. And you have to ask to repeat the question because you can't multitask when you have two things that you're thinking about. So I'm not saying that you have to just re- resist everything that happens, you know, and when you have uh, something that's crossing your desk or an incoming message, but we do have to create some barriers to present potential distractions from reaching you when you're occupied elsewhere. There's all these studies saying about emails and how people check their emails something like 50 something times a day. Well, that obviously is stopping productivity. So, if you have to concentrate on a a meeting, a phone call, a project, or any critical task, you want to keep the distractions at bay. So, you might want to mute your ringers, any of your chimes. You might even want to unplug your phones. And I know I have to unplug my phones when I'm writing my columns because there's no way that I can keep connected. Same thing, obviously, when I'm doing the radio, I, I can't have any of my phones ringing. So, I have... Have, um, I keep the phones, you know, they are on They are on mute or turned off, turn, turn the cell phone off. So it's definitely superior to be fully present in any call or in any meeting than to be partially present. And in the process, you're demonstrating respect for other people's times when you are in a meeting and you are just, you know, really being focused. Other techniques that can be implied when single tasking, can can relate to your computer. For example, though covering your screen isn't an option in this circumstance, you can still turn off the auditory and the visual alerts so that every time an email comes in or a message comes in, you're not pinged. Uh, You can maybe keep the open tabs to a minimum and you can also you know notify your colleagues or your friends that you're temporarily unreachable, and then make a list of, of the phone calls and the emails that you have to return at a certain time and you m- might do what we also call cluster tasking and that's related tasks that you do uh, you put them kind of all together you do similar tasks in clusters one to three times a day and you decide how long you're going to cluster task you might want to set an alarm for this and you don't want to engage in those tasks outside the designated time. And what would those be? Those could be responding to messages. That could, be, uh, that could be making a few phone calls. Whatever it is, you know, just put them in a cluster and just decide, I'm going to do these at 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 5 o'clock, something like that. And then get to know your devices. Learn what internal functions or apps exist to help you with your dedication to single tasking. For instance, um, if you have, you know, a favorites feature that can allow you to screen for only family messages, you know, that might be good. Or only colleague messages, if you have a do not disturb option. That's something that can work too. And other tactics can include dedicating just three to five minutes at the start of each workday to organize your to-do list. And I tell you that can transform your entire day into one that's more proactive rather than reactive. And then that can create a work schedule for your weekly obligations and might give you some time that you can actually go and relax. So you know, consider those unscheduled blocks to be Appointments with yourself that you really want to enjoy and give yourself time to recharge. So the next time you think about multitasking, think again and think single tasking. Now, I'm going to just jump topics because I had promised that we would talk a little bit about interns today because it can just give you a jump start on jobs and especially for people who are perhaps over 50 or are people who are learning, you know, trying to figure out retirement and what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. Sometimes it might be good to just go back and either volunteer somewhere or intern for a bit to To polish up your resume because working longer is often seen as the simpler answer to saving for retirement. But the math only works if you find someone to hire you once you're past the age of 50. So to gain an edge, something that it doesn't matter what age you are, that you can do though is you can do what we call these adult internships. And it's, um, it's kind of like embarking on a gap year for grown-ups, the most important thing you can do to remain employable is to keep up and to retrain your job skills. And you need to network like crazy and demonstrate familiarity with all the modern tools that are out there via you know, Twitter and LinkedIn and all of that. But those things aren't enough. You're going to need references. and You're going to need recommendations. And you're you're going to need a good um, a business resume. But... If you don't have skills in certain areas, how do you find that? Well, to harness those skills, sometimes a great idea is to volunteer somewhere. Many nonprofits and charities have volunteer op- uh, have volunteer positions where you can learn a new skill. And that's kind of exciting stuff. Now, if you're really willing to give more of your time and you want to travel, you could even think about doing an internship or volunteering with the Peace Corps or with Teach for America where they'll send you somewhere and they will actually retrain you in different programs and you know after your time is up you might be able to get back into the workforce. So as far a lot of companies also have internship programs and many of them are having internship programs not for just people right out of college but also for older generation. Think Barclays uh, Barclays Bank in England is doing that. They have a big, big program that they're doing. Uh, and HR professionals actually around the country are attempting to bring more older people into the workforce. Look at companies like Intel or IBM. In any case, think about interning if you are considering boosting up your resume. Places like here at Be The Star You Are, we have lots of different interns. The key is to follow the guidelines exactly, take directions, do what you're asked to do, and then once you've done a great job, you get a reference. Well, thanks for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your life every week. We want you to be tuned right here to Voice America, the Empowerment Network. And we want you to be able to expel uh, expel your negativity and to bring in all the positivity, so that you can be the best person that you were born to be. For information about Star Style, visit star-style.com. For information about Be the Star You Are, go to bethestaryouare.org. Make a donation, please. Keep this show and our Express Yourself on the air. Our aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. We want you to see beyond your physical being and know you're already a star. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep you happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. And I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are dream create inspire make a difference and make this the best week of your life until next Wednesday 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific be the star you are thanks for joining me
3: be the star you are the star you